This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, goal! Oh, post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And it's a goal! It's to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! September 2023, Swindon Town 2, Grimsby Town 1. Since then, in all competitions, 20 played, 4-1, 2 drawn, 14 lost, 25 scored and 49 conceded. Crawley Town 3, Swindon Town 1. Here to discuss, bemoan and tell me he's bored of this. He's back in the bitter land. It's Connor. Hello, Connor. Hi, Rich. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought it back around there at the end because I was beginning to worry that I didn't have my prep for the Grimsby pod back in September available. Um, <laughs> I do have some thoughts and feelings on that game, but I don't think they're relevant anymore. So, uh, yeah, glad that we're doing the game that we've just watched. Uh, right than us. Yeah, I have to say, Rich, <laughs> you've summed up my feelings already without me having to open my mouth. I mean... What is there to say that's not already been said? But I'm sure we'll find some ways of saying what we've already said in new and fascinating ways uh, throughout the course of this podcast. It's a really bad run that we're on at the moment. And I know the razzmatazz and thrill of beating bottom Forest Green had was still very much in the mindset of many fans. That one, well, it wiped it all away, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a bad vibe to start the year on, isn't it? Uh, I think given... I didn't watch the game in full on Friday night, but given sort of what I was hearing as it was going on, um, it doesn't sound too surprising that this game's gone the way that it did against a better opponent, um, unfortunately. Uh, and 
yeah, I think for all of the positives there, we've kind of seen that kind of that result that kind of result. You've kind of alluded to it in previous pods that you know will turn up at some points and, and win games that uh, maybe hanging in the balance and then go on and yeah, just capitulate again. Uh, we uh, three four days later, a very similar team. So it's uh, unfortunately just the same as we've been seeing for a lot of this winter period of the season, isn't it? So Yeah, it really is. And I, I dare say we'll beat Colchester on Saturday and then the, the merry the merry cycle continues. And um yeah. I I, I think more and more fans are, are are less confident that it starts now. And we'll talk about transfer window, I'm sure, but it's just one of the most miserable periods following Swindon in my adult life, because although we're in the championship in the late 90s with you know, administration and just being a terrible, terrible side at, at that level, it, it wasn't fun losing and losing bad. But right now, what they had was at least they were at tier two level. We're in the fourth tier, losing to teams that aren't that great. And they're looking much, much better than Swindon Town. This is not something that's been happening only in the last four or five months. This We are now 1.5 seasons into it, and it doesn't feel like the end is in sight or the sun is going to come out of the clouds anytime soon. Yeah, I think we've kind of gone through uh, many years of trying to look for that kind of quick fix to get us back up there. Like we we've been in league 2 now for so long of the past decade that it just kind of feels like we this is the level that we've kind of sunk to unfortunately and this is where we are uh, and in the in the past you know it's felt like okay well if we make a few signings then things might be different if we make uh, a managerial change then things might be different uh, if you know the club changes hands then things might be different uh, we tried all of those things <laughs> and we get and we're worse like, i i just i I'm not going to go into the whole, you know, board kind of rhetoric here because it's actually just, it's just saddening. It's like, I look at this now and I just think there's too much that's difficult and I can't untangle exactly what's wrong about things uh, in a playing context because, you know, just because we don't have loads of money doesn't mean it has to be like as bad as this has been recently. I can't really untangle, like, what are the moves now that like immediately make us better I don't think there is anything and I think it's just going to be even if we've managed to figure out some things to put in place to make ourselves better I think it's going to be a few months of grimness before we can start to bear the fruits of it and that's not a nice thing going into January and you you want us to be pushing on uh, and looking at promotion to the next league and and back where we we sort of feel like we belong I just yeah I don't know just can't see it happening I think it's going to be a really tough rest of the winter for us unfortunately feels that way even if there are moments like the occasional win like like you said I've been saying it for a while that you know we're going to lose a few win one or two everyone's going to get excited again and then we're going to go through the same cycle it's going to be enough to keep us away from catastrophe but not necessarily the the beamish line but let's talk about the lineup because that was the strong rhetoric when watching the game on iFollow the strong rhetoric from Andrew Hawes commentating for BBC Radio Wiltshire was was the news what happened just before the game. So the lineup was Ward and then Godwin, Malife, Minton, 
and Kokolo at the back with Sutton in shade on the wings. Kinsella and Kemp in the middle, Kemp just ahead, Young and Austin up front. So the big news was during the warm-up was that one of our available centre-backs, Tom Brewitt, went out injured with, I believe, a dead leg, which meant the previously poorly sick Williams Kokolo went back in his unfamiliar position. And, you know, I give Tom Brewitt a lot of stick. I'm very critical of all of our defenders to degree. I don't think there is a good combination right now, and I hope that's rectified during January. And it sounds like looking at the rumour mill, it, it might be. And certainly in terms of height, but you know we'll see what ability um, these these new players will have. But as soon as, that no, that news came through, Connor, as soon as I put my ten pounds down, and as soon as that was announced, I kind of did the uh, the Roy Hodgson, you know, head drop because at that point, from having sort of like, well, let's go, that's you know, because Brewitt is is passionate, he knows how to play centre back. I'm just not a huge fan to. Oh boy, here we go. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones when you have someone go down injured in the the uh, warm up. Whatever you've trained or whatever you've prepared for for the game kind of goes out the window. You've got someone coming in that wasn't expecting to be sort of playing such a big role. You've got to reconfigure uh, in some way, especially in a position where, although we had a centre back on the bench, we've not used him. We've used someone else who's playing who plays a different position. He has to then readjust. Um, I think you could see the way that we opened in that first 10 minutes that there was an element of this is not what we were really prepared to do. At the end of the day, though, there's still a bunch of professional footballers and they should be able to sort of, even at short notice, play professional football, which unfortunately I think uh, we didn't see. And, and to be honest, ultimately, I think no slight on Brewitt. I think if he'd have been there, I, I don't know if there'd have been a massive difference anyway in terms of the fact that we constantly are out of position, players are miles apart from each other at the back, I think that's a systemic thing and I don't think it would have been resolved by having him on the pitch as opposed to another defensive player. So it's just one of those ones. I think, yeah, you, could, you can probably make that part of the story of it and maybe it was, but uh, I, I think, we like like we've said on many pods before, I think any defensive constellation that you got there at the back is that they just stand miles and miles apart. And I was trying to like figure out what, what formation are they trying to play here? Uh, obviously, we've got the usual system, but like the the three centre-backs were so wide, well, the two the two wide ones were so wide that there's acres of space. And, you know, this has been a thing throughout the season, sort of more, more without the ball, but even with the ball, it's just like, actually, are we, are we playing two fullbacks on each side and then we just got Harrison Minton in the in the middle vibing it. I don't know. That's how it felt at times. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much it was even that crucial that Brewer was gone, even though it was probably a blow. My, my question was going to be, would it made any difference had Brewer played? And because of the issues that we had, especially in that first half today, were very similar to what we saw at Forest Green, against Forest Green Rovers, where our centre-backs were being pulled all over the place and creating space in the box, I just, I just don't think it would have made much difference. But I would have felt a little bit more <laughs> assured um, had had he been available. But hopefully, he's available for Colchester. Dead leg, I don't think is a is a biggie, is it? Yeah, and to be honest, I, I, like, I don't know. Like, is, is it one of those ones again where it's just like if if you're playing well, then people would want to sort of just kind of push through it a little bit. I mean, he, he kind of he, he obviously already has gone in, into a game and pushed through an injury before, so I'm not necessarily questioning Brewer's commitment, but it's just one of those things where 
like I I don't really know like it was it is it a big thing I, I've not had a footballing style dead leg before so I, I don't know uh, but it, it just kind of it seems like one of those things where we just seem to be picking up a lot of these injuries at the moment that kind of don't rule out people for that long I don't know so yeah well hopefully uh, he's available for the Colchester game. I'm quite frustrated at the moment, Connor, because the club have just tweeted a goodbye message video by Dan Kemp, which is incredible uh, considering that just a week ago he was uh, almost a done deal, but he, he said his goodbyes. Hopefully this is all one big <laughs> bit when he returns at the end of the month. That's what's happening, right, Connor? Tell me it's going to happen. Yeah, and then they're saying it's a done deal, but for who, Chris Kamara, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He doesn't know, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know. Uh, no, so post-game, we've had confirmation from Swindon Town that Dan Kemp has been recalled, and I haven't seen a confirmation from Swindon yet, Connor, but Ben 3.0 in the Low Strangers WhatsApp group has said, that Graham Alexander, for the 400th time, has confirmed that Jake Young is going back to Bradford. So not the greatest start to 2024, but nobody can be flapping over the the news that Kemp and Young are leaving, other than perhaps those who uh, thought that the club would be able to pull it out, pull it out the bag. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things. It, we kind of have seen the writing on the wall for a long time in terms of you just don't have players on loan from one club in this division to another club in this division playing so well and putting up such great numbers that like you wouldn't recall them to either play them yourself or uh, make some money uh, in the January window. It, yeah, it seemed optimistic to me that uh, either of them would stay beyond the sort of first date that they were able to be recalled. Uh, that seems to be what's happened and unfortunately you know it would have been nice if we didn't have to replace two-thirds of our goals in January unfortunately that's now the situation that we find ourselves in and have to hope that because we've known that these two players since end of August start of September have been sort of two of our best and scoring a lot of goals and they're on loan we've known probably that we're gonna have to replace one or both uh, for quite a long time so um just got to hope that there are coals in the fire and that they're going to be good replacements and that they're going to be quick because losing that many goals all at once, I don't see what's the other route to goal other than Dan <laughs> Kemp at the moment, whether that's setting up Jake Young or scoring for himself. Like there's the, That's where all of the goals are coming from this season and that's the only thing that's keeping us getting points at a decent enough rate that people sort of see us not in the relegation battle. Without them... Where do the points come from from now on in? I don't know. Yeah, we need new players to hit the ground running or current players to suddenly find their feet. Post-game, Michael Flynn did say, and I do wonder whether he said this, had we won or drawn today, he, he was hoping for two or three more by Saturday. We we have we simply have to sign those players, otherwise it's a scratch squad. So And then Colchester, which is a very winnable game, comes much, much harder and even just bringing players in for four days or whatever um, to get used to their surroundings and then unleashing them isn't ideal, but that's that's nature of the beast. So that's what he said. And a couple of players have already emerged on social media immediately as soon as that's been announced. I, I, I do wonder the bigger picture, whether this is like, is it, a, is it again an industry thing or does Swindon need to learn their lesson about 
relying on loans because I've said it before. I remember Rob Anger saying that we're not going to rely on loans. I think he said that very, very early into the Morphoonie era and we've done nothing but since. And it's, is it terrible luck that our best players are the loan players or is that why we're bringing them in? You know, it's, it's, it just seems to be something that we've got to get better at. And like you implied, my goodness, I hope they've had a depth chart ready to replace these people. Well, I think the thing is, I, I don't know if we are relying on loans in the same way that we were under Lee Power in the sense that, like, in the sort of Lee Power latter League Two eras, half the team was loans. Like, we'd have five or six loanees in at the club and then five of the team that played would be loanees. So then, ultimately, if someone wants to recall your team, uh, that your loanees, then you lose half your team and that, that becomes a problem. Now, I think, you know, because we've had three loanees that have been playing regularly, which I think is sort of a normal amount. Uh, and I, I don't think we'd necessarily have foreseen that one, a goalkeeper gets sort of quite a big injury at that kind of stage of the season. And then two, that the other two players would be by far our best two players that season. I, I, like, like I say, I think going into it, I think you, you probably would have looked at Kemper's at this level, he will do sort of uh, really well. Don't, uh, even then, I don't know if you would have, necessarily expected him to do as well as he has done and then Jake Young I think probably was a little bit of a punt that's gone very very well for both club and player um, so I think it's probably unfortunate that basically we're probably not even relying on loans in terms of the actual loans that we've done but then we just <laughs> don't have a squad of contracted players that are up to scratch unfortunately and that that's the side of the equation that's wrong I think rather than the loan side of things I think it's fine to lose lose two very good established players in the team in January if they're going to go back to their parent club and go and do something else but you do need to have people that are contracted to you that can fill in the gaps and that's where we are currently lacking more than anything unfortunately. Yeah, we just had a, a message from Kevin STFC Foley who said he didn't watch the game. He went to Melksham and got pissed on and left in the 75th minute. I hate football. And yet, it sounds like he had a better day than us. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, who knows? Uh, those weather conditions, I think I was quite glad to be inside. Um, but uh, at the same time, I think sometimes, probably, this is the, the kind of game, flip side of a lot of games I would, when things are bad I'd rather be in the ground because you have the day out around the football and all that kind of stuff that makes it a more enjoyable thing than just sat in your flat watching um, the game I think today would have been just so hard to stay in the ground because from early on it was uh, so it was just the writing was on the wall really from the first goal uh, and uh, yeah leaving Melksham early I think would probably be more fun than uh yeah, watching that nonsense today. Mm, we've all done it. We've all done it at Melksham, left it early. Uh, I lived in Melksham very briefly. Um, but slowly but surely through the season, I'll tell you everywhere I've lived. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlet Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with Muck Delivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi Rich, just a reminder to let you know I'm on Points West again tonight, so make sure you tune in. Oh no, here I am holidaying in Europe and I'm going to miss Dan's latest appearance talking about another deep side town performance on the television unless 
Haha, <laughs> of course, I can use my NordVPN subscription. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows, and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. So I'll never miss another Points West with Dan ever again. Huzzah! NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month, and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. So to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash loafstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the podcast along the way. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Lovely stuff. Um, well, you see a great pass from Austin. Into Kemp here. Kemp is onside. Edge of the penalty. Hits him the goal. Goal. Yet another goal for Dan Kemp. Set up by Charlie Austin. I've done a very good job, even if I do not say so myself, at delaying talking about this game, Connor. Uh, how do you want to do this? Because it was wet. It was gross. Swindon were gross. They had chances to score, proper chances, like Crawley did back in the glorious summer at the start of the season. But the same old failings of the season came back to haunt us. <laughs> and that's that we don't know how to defend or we don't seemingly know how to defend. We can't defend and we're not set up to defend. Yeah, uh, I think you summed it up. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's loads of meat on the bones to discuss here, because like I say, it's, it's really a story of... We are a defensively weak side who allow quite a lot of chances against. Sometimes statistically, like people just can't put them away. In this occasion, basically Crawley scored at two very crucial points in that first half. I think first 10, 15 minutes, we you know, we were kind of doing some sort of good stuff with the ball, but then looked like things weren't great without the ball when Crawley had it. They they looked a little bit dangerous got the early goal from them. And then from that point onwards, it was very difficult for us to sort of get a foothold in the game. Um, Crawley had more confidence, I think, after that first goal. Um, and even when we kind of came back into it and created a couple of chances for Austin, I think he was still really kind of straining just to get the ball towards the target and made it, things were quite easy for their defence and goalkeeper to sort out. Um, and then just as you start to think, maybe we'll sort of start to come back into this kind of thing maybe naively, um, they then score uh, from a very, very poorly defended set piece from our perspective, um, with it coming out and going back in. Uh, and really, that's the game they're, they're done and dusted, really, when you consider the way that we defend for the rest of the game. Second half, you know, a couple of chances for us again. Uh, I think Jake Kane misses a good one. But... Um, I, I, ultimately, they score again, um, which kills the game off. They don't need to venture too much more. We score in injury time. That's a little bit of polish on the scoreline from our perspective. But there was, there was, as soon as the first goal went in, there was no chance for us winning that game. I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the goal at the end is the worst gloss ever applied to <laughs> any fixture. Uh, how how important do you think to the game was that miss by Kemp? at the end of the first half, where all season long he's put them away in harder situations. He kind of just he didn't rush it, per se. Lovely dummy by by Austin. Yeah, I think 
it's an uncharacteristic miss from Kemp. He's been very, very reliable in those kind of situations. He probably should have scored. Yeah, it probably would have been a different game in terms of we wouldn't have had to have gone quite so much for broke at the start of the second half as we did um, to try and, uh, if we had a goal back uh, before the break, the halftime team talk would be slightly different. But I think the game had sort of reached a pattern anyway of Crawley just sort of being able to go and pick us off. And I don't know if that necessarily would have been any different even if we'd got the goal back at the end of the first half rather than at the end of the second half so yeah ultimately it's a it's a what if moment but I don't find myself sort of looking back and thinking oh well if that went in we could have won the game I just I I think they were the better team for the whole game unfortunately. Scott Lindsay finally got his win and he didn't really have to do much yeah it, it was a tough watch and a lot of the discussion is about you know injuries, about new players, but surely eleven professional footballers on a pitch can can pass, <laughs> make simple decisions without relentless amounts of mistakes, and that's what we're seeing at the moment. It rains in England, Connor. You know it, yeah. we can't blame the weather. You can't blame people being injured for stuff like passing. Ultimately, all of the kind of different scapegoats that we've had this season whether it's injuries uh weather geography all these kind of things they're all just normal things they're all they're all part and parcel of the football league ecosystem you just have to learn to live with them and the sad fact of the matter is that we put out a team of 11 first team pros um on the bench we actually had a stronger bench than we have had recently um in terms of it wasn't just full of youth team players um, and maybe a couple of first-year pros. Which is funny because there were six on the bench instead of seven. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't, to be honest, I, I didn't even count, to be quite honest. But but you're right, you are right. It, it was a better bench than usual, but ultimately, when you put out those players on the pitch, they should at least be the sum of their parts, but they were worse than the sum of their parts. And then you look at Flynn's post-match, uh, and the fact that he's really gone in on unnamed players uh, who I'm very interested who they are. Um, maybe the sort of the people that he took off in the course of the second half is some kind of clue. I don't know, but it, who knows? Oh, it's always shade. Always, always put your money on shade. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because I think he was one of about two players that I have positive things to say about from the performance. But anyway, um, the I, if you if you look at the fact that he's, basically immediately after kickoff, gone in on some players, you know, not naming them, but um, sort of basically implying that there are a lot of players there that aren't giving their all and aren't um, aren't trying, basically, uh, or, or aren't good enough for the level. Then is this one of the... like? I, I think I was looking at the game before then. Is this a case of he's lost the dressing room? Uh, I think it's, it's quite clearly close to that they've also lost the manager. <laughs> um, Ultimately, is, are there relationships there that can be salvaged or do we need like a whole new squad basically for to turn it around for Flynn? And I think this is where it comes to people sort of starting to question him because some of the pieces that he's got to work with there are not that bad. What he doesn't have is enough pieces, but then if he's going to then have problems with the pieces he's got already, it just makes the job so hard to do for everyone, surely. Yeah, I, I genuinely feel that across the season, we've had a competent 11 on paper all through the defensive situation isn't great but there's also an argument which many fans have made that it's not necessarily the players it's it's the way they're set up and if they can't play to the way they're being set up then stop doing it 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if, if the defensive performances had changed a lot since we weren't able to play that first three um, of um, Blake Tracy, Brewitt and Godwin Malife, if if once those three were not available to play next to each other, the way that we were playing in the defensive sense was drastically different, then I think that would be a valid argument. Um, but we're allowing a lot of chances... We've been, we've allowed them the whole season, um, and we've conceded a lot of goals throughout the whole season. It's just that at the start we were scoring more goals. So for me, is that is that that you know we've got enough injuries that that's sort of derailed the the defensive portion of the team. Like, well, clearly there is an element to which that has impacted us. But this is why you have a squad of players. This is a, as a minimum in a league in in a season we play forty six league games, um, two serious cup games at least, and then three uh, pizza trophy games. So what's that? 51 games as a minimum in a cal- uh, in a season um, with the potential for more. Um, so this this season we'll have played 51 because we, we didn't get through any of the cups. Um, you, you can't, you, if you're going to play back three, you can't have three centre-backs that you consider good enough to play in the first team. You need to have more, more than that so that you're able to rotate account for suspension, account for injury, account for people pulling out in the warm-up and all that kind of thing. And we, we don't have that. Um, so that's a choice that someone's made, whether it's the manager, whether it's the ownership. And uh, only if basically everyone's injured, I think, can you kind of say um, that this is extraordinary. I, I think we're just, it's just a situation of our own doing. But like you say, it's I, I don't think the defence, the defensive issues probably a slightly more obvious when we're down to the bone in terms of injury, but also they, they were there before. So surely there's something you can do about it regardless. I don't know. So give me that positivity then, Connor. Give, give me give me the shout outs to those that you have got nice things to say because I'm all for it. There was a, a spell of the game where Shade was uh, looking like our route back into the game again. He's had a couple of those kind of performances recently, which... I think you would you should look at that as something to build on, um, potentially. Um, I think the the unfortunate thing for him is that what he had behind him um, was uh, a, another player out of position, and it, in a defensive sense, was quite a difficult game for both of them. Uh, so you know there, there there are elements there of his game that weren't great in, uh, in the first half defensively. In the second half, I think yeah he was he he could have been our sort of route to sort of getting a goal back. Um, earlier than we did, but he was taken off quite early. Um, and then the other one was the guy went off alongside him, Liam Kinsella, I think was was quite neat and tidy, just seemed to sort of be picking up in pockets of space um, positively with the ball, without the ball, sort of just yeah, being where you need him to be in midfield, which it feels like a lot of the time just our midfield is completely bypassed and the ball goes long in towards the space where our defence should be. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, when the ball was in midfield, I feel like he gave a positive sort of account of himself again. He's had a few of those recently. But yeah, other than that, I just, yeah, Dan Kemp was busy, wanted things, which, you know, considering he probably would have known before the game, definitely going back. Um, I think it's a credit to him. Other than that, I think a lot of people were sort of saying that Govan Malife was sort of trying to do the right things, but he also was playing like playing outside of the structure that's been set with him in terms of he just was sort of playing on a different plane to everyone else, <laughs> which I don't know if this is necessarily something you can praise 
that he was trying to do the right thing when nobody else was. Uh, I don't know. It's it's, it's hard to say because he quite often wasn't where we wanted him to be, really. But um, yeah, other than that, I'm yeah, I'm really scraping the barrel now. Yes. Uh, no, and and a, and a fine scrape you're going through. Charlie Austin's getting a little bit of praise. I'm seeing in the listeners' contributions. Um, but also others say that he's part of the problem as well. I, I really don't know how to call Charlie Austin this year because if you're going to go traditionalist, it's all about goals. But if you see what he does throughout the game, you can see he's an absolute trier. But we, you know, trying doesn't put points on the board. Sadly, we need to uh, be better. Um, but I think people saying post game that you know he's he's one of the senior players that. Are, talking to the squad but surely he should be sat down on the in the changing rooms listening to other people as well because he's part of this yeah I I think the whole situation is quite sad because I think if you looked at a player of his kind of age that was had dropped down the levels to come back to where he made his name and just like you know maybe just didn't have the motivation that like you know you could kind of you'd be annoyed about it but you could kind of see why it's not working uh, but I think the fact is that you're able to see that he's motivated to keep trying and that he's going for a lot of effort. He's doing a lot of effort that actually really other people in the squad should be doing for him. He shouldn't be doing donkey work in defence and in midfield. He should just be allowed to sort of stand up front, make good runs, use his sort of knowledge of the game to get into good positions and score the goals that throughout his career he's, have been basically a guarantee for him. But he's just a shadow of himself. So no matter how much effort, and I, I, I respect the effort that he puts in, um, you could see that he was running himself into the ground when I was last in the stadium against Wrexham, that he was really trying. But he's trying at stuff that we don't... Like, other, yeah, it's, those are other people's jobs, Charlie. Just get up front and do what you do best. But unfortunately, some something has come unstuck in his game and he's just not quite that player. Like physically, he's just not quite able, not sharp enough. Uh, and he seems to be more interested in doing stuff away from goal than in front of goal. And that's why he's not scoring goals for us this season. And now that we're losing two thirds of the goals in the team and uh, one of our main creative outlets, our only real route to goal now is Romeo Hutton crossing it into Charlie Austin, who's our only forward player at the club, really. If you consider um, Hepper Murphy's got this mysterious knee problem, um, so it isn't going to be featuring, you'd imagine, against Colchester. Um, there's no other route to goal. Um, so um, I, I actually I, I I want him to try only at the stuff that he should be trying to do. I don't, I don't want him to be doing donkey work because that's not what he's ever really been known for. And it, it's a shame that we're wasting the final years of his career doing this. Um, but then also at the same time, I just I think we're we're starting to see why he's down in League Two rather than sort of somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, I'm just looking at the notes by Michael Flynn post gamers. You know, it's it's very much the same sort of rhetoric, decision making, poor finishing. But we at least we had chances this time round. Austin had a couple of headers, didn't he? Kemp's miss, Kane's um, effort amongst a couple of others. Um, as you quite rightly pointed out, if you're on the pitch quite frankly, weren't at the standard required. Lots of, here we are, it's January, let's go. They've had some home truths. It's going to change soon. I, I like that, but he said that in May on the pitch, didn't he? If they, if, if they don't have the attitude, they'll be gone in the summer. And Well, here we are, six months later, over six months later, and we've got the same 
problems and that's all during his time here um we've almost got one player in as i've mentioned uh hoping for two or three more by saturday so here's hoping uh they'll be busy on socials like they are right now with the kemp loving crikey um why not eh? in terms of matter of the match it went to kemp although the protest vote for brewitt has <laughs> has been quite close Oh, people love Brewitt, don't they? Jesus. Well, yes. I mean, and also I think uh, um, Sonny Hart might have got one for dodging this game too, despite being a, a willing centre-back uh, <laughs> on the bench, forever wondering what he's got to do. Well, um, not. Well, I don't, I don't know what Sonny Hart would, would add at this moment in time, but um, obviously Flynn doesn't fancy. And let's get some listeners contributions. Rod Page says lost for words, no man of the match. Tim Gilmore says Flynn like Clem have both run out of road. Neither appear to be able to take the club or team forward. Tan says utter crap. Management inept. Lack of defensive training. Paul Temple says that display by the whole team is certainly not enough to warrant a credible appearance for Swindon Town Football Club. The lack of commitment and effort was alarming and not acceptable. Even if the behind the scenes is a shit show, <laughs> man of the match, there you go, Sonny Hart uh, for being spared however needed. Uh, thank you, Dan Kemp. Andy Richardson says shocking defensively, as always. Poor players, yes, but this one is on Flynn. Time to go. Nathan Shepard says, dreadful, woeful, awful. Uh, Robert Hammond says, we can't concede for fun if we take our chance, if we don't take our chances in return. Man of the match, Kinsella. Uh, Pyman says, fucking shit. Man of the match, Brewitt. Uh, John O'Connell John O'Connell says, desperate in every way, in every area. Carly Embling says, fair play to those who went. Awful match, safe journey home. Uh, Shore of Medway Watch how Swindon warm up. Watch how the goalkeeper gets ready for the games. It's so amateurish. Our Sunday league team here in Medway are put through their paces better than Swindon. An absolute shambles. Matt Hanger with the big uh, update. We won on aggregate, Connor. So, you know, that, a big aggregate win of 7-4. So, you know, what's all the fuss about? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, I... Ultimately, that's all that matters, right? So, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, Wardy S, thoughts, thoughts. What an absolute shower of shit that was. We are getting worse and worse as the season progresses. Defensively, a joke. What do they do in training? Rock, paper, scissors, stone. I'm begging <laughs> to question Flynn. I'm beginning to question Flynn. Man of match, Kemp. Um, Jason Spacey says, this better be one hell of a transfer window. Or we're up shit creek. And never mind the paddle. We haven't even got a canoe. Not a great uh, thought, that one, Connor. Yeah, uh, I think it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, doesn't it? In terms of like, what's the move now that fixes the problems that we've got? And I just don't know. I think we're tied up in so many knots now of like, what, what are the moves that could be made to improve this situation? And what are the moves that we can actually do now? And then where do we find the middle ground that allows everything to be fixed? But I can see why people in that are questioning the manager because... This is his team uh, and there's been 26 league games and we're 16th from the table and that's on merit. The table's not lying at this point in the season. Um, and looking at the teams that are sort of sneaking up behind us, there's still some way to fall in the next couple of weeks that we could be staring down the barrel of like 19th or something fairly soon. We're, you know, things aren't going to pick up very quickly. 
but then also the managers pointing fingers at the team, people also pointing fingers at the team in terms of individual performances here. Ultimately, it all comes back to the people that have put all of those players there in terms of the ownership. But then what can we do about that in terms of there's, you know, there's not really much noise about anything happening there or them changing their mind on how the club's going to be run. Uh, I, I just don't know, Rich. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to look for sort of silver linings here. Maybe, maybe the silver lining is that, you know, the last four months should have been a wake-up call to Clem and uh, his uh, cronies uh, that sort of are, bank, are paying for the club to continue to exist. What, what do you what do you think is going through Clem Orfuni's mind when he's at that game, watching that game? Is he thinking, oh, that's football. You, you win some, you lose some. Some seasons are bad. We don't have a God-given right to be up there. Or do you think he's like... What the hell has happened to my investment? What the hell has happened to my club? Or do you think his head is completely in the sand? It, it, I just would love to know what's going through his mind right now because it can't just be when a few signings will sort this out. Yeah, I, I would love to know because obviously he's. we kind of had that January a year ago where he, we, we had clear problems in the team and he came back and then tried to sort things out, obviously, with like the um, appointment of Jody Morris and that's not quite worked out. He's then appointed someone else and, you know, it's not quite changed our fortunes in terms of the, the yeah, the trajectory of the calendar has kind of broadly stayed the same. So, um, honestly, I can't really get in the mind of uh, someone that, yeah, wants to own a fourth division team from another country. And like, I don't understand like what his draw to the whole thing really is, um, what what he gets out of it, um, what his uh, sort of motivation is. Because I assumed when he came in at the start that he just wanted basically to vibe chase in the same way that I want to vibe chase when I'm, when I'm at football and basically be loved by fans of a club, run things uh, sort of reasonably properly and... Uh, yeah, like do what he said uh, and and be sort of sport like a, a, a well run club in a sporting way, so that we sort of have these good memories. That's not transpired, so I don't know like what what he's in it for. That kind of thing it could be, there could be any sort of number of reasons, and I guess that would then inform how he now looks at it in terms of when he's watching that game. Is he thinking, are oh, we drastically need a change and we need to do these kind of things? Is it more more sort of um, money going into sort to the squad is it um, changing the players that we've got available to us? Is it increasing the size of the squad? Is it um, making a drastic change, or is it you know actually we're sort of yeah like you said you win some you lose some. Uh, we won on Friday, maybe we'll win on Saturday and then see what happens going 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 on. And I think it's that complacency that I worry about because yeah potentially it'll be enough for us to stay up this season, but. If we get worse again, what happens? <laughs> what happens? Well, well, we'll go on with some more listeners' contributions. Scribble Milk says, no spine to this team. Lesson wasn't learned from last season. Mistake after mistake after mistake. And that's the management of the club. So are we surprised the team follows suit? Chris Van Roon with positivity. One, it was ground 43 out of 92 for him. Two, lovely car share with Craig Oxley listening to Airspod via the Ermine Way A34 and some delightful Sussex towns. Three, £15 to get in. Excellent value. Swindon take note. Four, sausage roll. Very good. And five, had a nice pint at the half moon. That's what we want 
to hear. Thank you. Uh, Paul Merriman says, next 30 days is make or break for Clem and Flynn. Clem has had more than enough time to sell up, so he has to produce the goods to back Flynn. Flynn has had his second window to sort the squad out. Goodbye to both. If it doesn't get better by the end of Feb, Beamish line draws closer. Shit. Uh, Andy Gibson says, thoughts, how on earth did Flynn and Hatswell mastermind a series of really impressive cup shocks for Newport? It's beyond belief how we just keep doing the same thing game after game. Adair says, can I have a refund on my season ticket? And David says, 44 to 48 points has been the lowest amount of points needed to stay up the last three seasons. So we roughly need 15 points. I win five to survive this season. Not entirely confident in where these points come from. Let's go back to Chris Van Roon. To quote the pod, though, this is Swindon in the fourth tier. Michelle says, when the team are training, do they not cover defending or do they just enjoy a cuppa with a donut? Everything is so wrong with our club. We are not better off pre-Clementine. Joe says the club is a joke and I genuinely fear for us. We need a new owner and manager. Mark Kirkman says same old, but somehow worse. More possession, shots and corners, but did nothing with any of it. Defensively beyond a joke and Flynn gets fired at any other club. These reported three or four new players coming in Better be tough physically and mentally. Man of the match dokes for bothering to run around. Uh, 86 Red says Clem out. Man of the match Kemp for the goal and for his efforts this season. The rest can go in the bin, manager included. And we'll end with Bennett Cruz says two good moments from Kemp. Uh, intercept, inter, 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 sorry. And we finish with Bennett Cruz says two good moments from Kemp interspersed with a lot of shite from town just abject stuff really nothing worked didn't choose to go back to basics kept hammering the same now and missing enjoyed the teddy bear talk more than the game really did you did you listen to andrew hall's uh, his teddy bear talk uh, i did yeah and it, it was very evocative it's kind of like i said it just i think it's very fitting in terms of uh, it did just feel it does feel like that, that kind of care that we want from something so beloved just isn't there, is it? Uh, and yeah, some of the some of the shine that we hoped might be there, sort of in those heady days of early 2022, less than two years ago, mind you. Just yeah, it's it's gone. Uh, the flames going out, and I think you know we've we've had bleaker times in the club's recent history, um, but I think throughout those times, there's always been the hope that something was going to change to turn it around, whether that was in the COVID Sheridan season where we were sort of all guns blazing on this podcast for um, power to leave and for someone new to come in. Uh, and that did happen. And then we had a better season, whether that was last year where, you know, we, we just, just scraped above our, one of our worst ever finishes in professional football in England. But then we hoped, so well, Michael Flynn will come in and sort it all out. Where do we go from here? Cause it's, you know, we can't we can't keep having these low ebbs and sort of hoping it'll be better. Um, I think that's the, the 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 problem now, isn't it? Uh, ultimately, where do we go? How do, how do we get um, the teddy bear back to its former glories? Yes, we do need it to go back to its former glories because currently we are spiraling. You know, you know, after Accrington, a few. Listener said, is it about time we started looking up because we got close to the playoff 
zone again, maybe even just one place with 15 points adrift of the relegation zone and then six points adrift from the playoffs. Yet the reality, it's so far away. Yeah, and I think ultimately that is, you know, we'd have to, we have to be winning games, which is not happening frequently enough. And the teams that are in there are also going to be good going, winning games going between probably like point and a half to two points per game, probably now for um, a large part of the season. So you need to be putting serious points on the board now if you want to be making up that gap. Whereas the teams that are down below us, they've got clear deficiencies that they're going to have to address. I would expect, generally speaking, I don't know if this is statistically borne out, but this is how I always see it. But like the teams that are down there, I feel like they generally wants to get onto that sort of stretch to try and fight for survival that they do start to... Um, put points on the board at a little bit of a better rate and Crawley last season were a, a decent example of that um, in terms of hopeless for a long, long time but um, they got the points on the board when they needed them um, and that's where I have the little concern that okay, yeah, it's 15 points now but that can be eaten up pretty quickly um, especially if we're not putting points on the board at a quick enough rate and yeah, three points in December how many games have we got in January? Four more games, I think um, you know, if if you know, maybe we'll win one of those, I don't know, um, at the current rate, that would seem about par for what, what we'd expect. I would expect that some of the teams down there, you know, as much as they don't look very good, they'll invest and they might be able to get more than that and sort of make up some of the gaps. So it, it concerns me in the sense of, I think we'll probably be fine, but that kind of complacency is exactly what gets you pulled in, isn't it? So you have you have to go for it as if we're going for playoffs, hoping that we squeeze in because otherwise I just really don't want us to get dragged in right at the end because that is exactly how you go down. Yeah, uh, after the Barrow loss, we were nine points ahead of Tramier who overtook us today on goal difference. So that that tells you the difference a few a few games can make. I appreciate that, but we are a team that are, like I said, we're, we're spiraling. Yeah. We beat Forest Green Rovers, but frankly, everyone's beating Forest Green Rovers at the moment. And the same applies to Colchester. So even if we come out of the game on Saturday with three points, which will be three much appreciated points if they were to happen, we can't get complacent and think this is the start of something because then crew away doesn't feel like um, a banker, does it? So it's these Colchester Forest Green I'm not going to say culture, the Forest Green Rovers win and a potential win at home against Colchester really, really helps Flynn right now, I think. Yeah, it would allow us a little bit of breathing room in terms of like once you do start putting the points on the board, then then you can you can kind of begin to not worry and all that kind of thing. Obviously, he's we're on the record, the club are on the record in the notes and all that kind of stuff that we're, you know, not only do we have a competitive budget, but... Um, that we're, cha- we're challenging for promotion. So by any stretch of the imagination, he's failing at the moment and he needs to improve the squad with an eye of getting back into that playoff picture, which, like we said, it'll be difficult, but it's possible. It, it, it can happen if everything goes right. Um, other, if he doesn't manage it, then he's failed massively, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those ones, I, I guess it's, it's kind that we're playing those two at this stage where... You know, they are going to need to improve themselves going into the second half. Well, we already are in the second half of the season, but going into the business end of the season, they need to get better. Um, they won't have had that much time to do it. And then while we're at 
probably a weaker rep in terms of um, yeah, some of the injuries we've had recently and also players now, Kemp and Young, going back to their parent clubs um, where you know I would imagine even if we do manage to get a couple of additions to the squad, it's going to be a little bit weird and a little bit threadbare um, going into Saturday's game. Um, it's probably better to be playing a team that are just going to be shot of confidence themselves rather than one of the contenders. And if we're going to be, if we were going to be going to crew um, immediately this weekend, then I think that would be uh, a really really big ask. And you know, buying yourself a week, hopefully a time to like we need we need real open heart surgery on the squad. We need a lot of players in, and that's even if everyone that we currently have is all all. all yeah, firing on all cylinders and Flynn has complete trust in them, um, let alone if he's now going to sort of have problems with the players that are contracted and that we have in the squad and are playing. So, yeah, it's a lot that needs to be done. So, yes, completely agree. So, man of the match went to Dan Kemp, just about. Um, I'm not arguing it over it because I want him to win the Lou Reed spreadsheet. Yeah, why not? Uh, I think it'd be amazing if... Uh, He's not player of the season. It, it would take basically someone having a complete turnaround in fortunes or us making an incredible signing in this window um, because, yeah, what a player he's been for us. And, uh, yeah, he got his goal at the end as well to sort of improve the statistics just that little bit more, which is nice. It's a nice finish, but, uh, yeah, it's always a shame when you get a nice goal like that in the most meaningless of circumstances. And he wasn't able to properly celebrate uh with the fans in the way uh, that you know we've seen before, with Loney's going back to their parent club, mm. and 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 a final bit of breaking news elsewhere. After all my uh, optimism about Saturday, Colchester United have parted ways with Matty Everington. Oh, so new manager Bounce will be mm. there for us, unfortunately. So yeah, we might as well write that off. Scrap everything we said. Yeah, um, not the first thing I'll look to edit at the end of this episode. Connor, that was lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 